This episode is available ad-free for Peakery Tribe members. Go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe, subscribe for free and get the ad-free version. Well, hello everybody. My name is Arno. I'm a coach in creativity and peace of mind and welcome to the Peaceful Creativity Podcast. My guest for this episode is David Papa. David is a corporate coach, a spiritual leader and an amazing friend. In this eventful episode, we talk about his mission to bring love to the corporate world, an amazing experience of oneness he experienced drug-free. And then, for some reason, the conversation goes uh, in a completely different direction, and we start talking about suicide and religious extremism. Uh, I love that. It wasn't planned. Usually, with, when we talk with David, it's about, uh, you know, women, relationship, pickup, uh, spirituality, and other fun topics like that. And it was the first time ever that we talked about uh, this kind of subject. But, you know, so be it. This was episode two of the Peaceful Creativity podcast. And uh, I experimented with another service than the one I usually use. So you might notice that the sound quality is lower uh, than usual at the beginning. But don't worry, we fixed it in uh, 10 minutes in. And I'm pretty happy with the transition I did. So I hope you'll enjoy it as well. Thank you very much for listening. And if you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts because it really helps the show. Due to the controversial nature of topics in this episode, I chose not to bring sponsors. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with David Papa. David, welcome to the Peaceful Creativity Podcast. Thank you very much, Arno. I'm super happy to be here. Um, you were actually one of the first supporters of the Peaceful Creativity blog and probably the only person in the world who actually commented on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and for that, I forever owe you. Um, it's okay, I'm... man. You know, I like... <laughs> I like what you're doing. I like the idea of peaceful creativity. You know, there's so much out there related to pushing and striving and like punching the world with your creativity, you know, and it is when you think about it, almost like a violent form of creativity, all the, all the rhetoric out there around, you got to create and have your goals and all these things and uh, push, 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 you know, more, more, more. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a form of violence maybe. And so I like what you're doing with the idea of creating peacefully from a place of peace. And it's just very interesting. So I commend you for your efforts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with you. There is this uh, idea of the no pain, no gain, and that you need to hustle and you need to suffer in order to get something done. Uh, and uh, it really doesn't have to be that way. Um, yeah. And uh, but we're, we're going to have time to talk about that before. Um, I would like, uh, if you don't mind, if you could introduce yourself to our listener who are not familiar uh, with you and your work. Um, we, we met you and I uh, like years ago, and I consider you a very good friend. And uh, we both over 
our love of uh, business making and spirituality <laughs> and also picking up women. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I know that a lot of things changed in, in both our, our lives uh, since then. So nowadays, how do you introduce yourself? Man, that's a great question. All time, I feel like I'm trying to find the best way to do it. But right now, what I'm saying is that I am uh, a leadership development coach. I work with uh, leaders in the in the corporate world uh, as an executive coach. I train them and I help them how to, uh, learn how to fi find their authentic communication, how to lead from the heart in order to create the environment at work that they actually want to be in. And that actually inspires other people around them to, to love to work with them, you know, because that's one, one huge piece of my life and kind of mission I've, that I feel very connected to is changing the way work happens because um, we spend so much of our time right now in our lives doing our, our work, most of us. And so I want to make that the best experience possible for, for us all. And I also... Um, have been, you know, working uh, in the spiritual field for a long time. I've been writing. I do um, coaching with people uh, with their own spirituality. I do some uh, uh, different techniques that focus on internal healing. And I run um, a meditation group circle every couple of weeks at a community center here. So these are the kind of things I'm, I'm really interested in. I feel like these are the kind of things that can really help us find what we're looking for. So that's how I, that's how I spend my time. Yeah. Um, I, I attended some of your, you know, I attended the retreat with you and several of your, your events at the community center. And I can definitely say that it did help me. And uh, I still use some of the things I learned over there in my everyday life. And, uh, uh, that's that's an amazing work that you do over there. Oh, thanks, um, thanks, man. No, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean it. Yeah. I also should mention, I guess, that uh, I have a podcast as well that I'm slowly working on called No Effort Human, and mm -hmm. it, that's uh, the the idea for that podcast is we're going through each verse of the Tao Te Ching, you know, um, the uh, f fundamental book in the Taoist philosophy. And, um, you know, that's a super interesting book with really timeless wisdom uh, that that came, you know, a very interesting story how it got created. But anyway, we're going through each verse on the podcast and trying to figure out what it means and how we can apply that in our modern lives. So, you know, maybe you can come on there sometime and we can discuss one of the verses together. Oh, well, that'd be great. I have, I have absolutely no knowledge about this book, so that would be nice to... <laughs> Oh, that'd be, that'd be great to discover one verse and, and its implication with you. Great. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned uh, several interesting uh, topics right now. Uh, the one I'd like to start with uh, is bringing love to the corporate world. Because uh, as you know, I went through a very like cold and uh, not human-like experience in the corporate world. Mm. Uh, I, I was fired in a really weird way from my last job and uh, a bit more love would have been welcome <laughs> so I'm I'm curious about how you bring love to the corporate world in the work that you do with leaders as you described earlier yeah yeah good question I mean 
there's there's probably I mean there's so many good books on this, but one of my favorites is this book called Lead from the Heart by a guy named Michael Crowley, and you know he was he was in the banking industry. He was a uh, he was the executive like he managed bank individual banks then he managed like a region of banks then he managed multiple regions of banks you know he moved up in the banking industry in the u.s because he was extremely successful all the places he went were performed extremely well out outperformed almost the entire rest of the company and this is a you know a financial institution a financial very you know numbers focused kind of place and literally his entire leadership strategy was to lead with his heart and put people first in everything that he did and make sure the people around him felt incredible about their jobs. And if he, he knew that if he could do that, then they would take care of everything else. And Richard Branson has a, has a great quote. It's very, very similar. He says, if you take good care of your employees, they're going to take care of everything else. So that's the main premise. That's what it means. It means as a leader to, to access the humanity that, that's in your heart, to access your love for what you do, to access your love for yourself and your own capabilities, your own strengths, your own desires and dreams for what you want to create, access your love for the people around you in the form of appreciation, in the form of seeing them as the best possible people they could be and helping them get there through really good coaching mm -hmm. And through uh, understanding their strengths and putting them in positions to exceed to succeed, it means accessing your desire to create around you an ecosystem that where people really thrive, where you make the people the most important aspect of your work. And when you do that, mm -hmm. they take care of everything else at a higher level, better quality, faster, and usually in a more creative way. So you know, we, there's a lot of research now that shows that how happier people per, are so much more productive and so much more effective in their jobs and they make far less mistakes and they take less sick days, you know, and they're much more able to help the company succeed and help the team succeed. So, you know, this is the, the, the data out there. If, if a leader isn't paying attention to this kind of thing, they're just, you know, 10 years behind the data. I mean, yeah. we, we know that this makes a huge difference. So those are the kind of things I try to help leaders at access is their, their real, you know, their real energy. And I'm calling it love because it comes from feeling states. It comes from the heart. It's not engagement in your work is not a rational process. Okay. Like you, and also yeah. you can't convince someone else to be engaged in their work with logic engagement and energy and passion and motivation and connection and belonging and feeling like you're part of a team and having the energy to make that succeed. All of those things are feelings. Those are feeling states. So as a leader, you have to know how to work with that inside yourself and others to, to bring those things out because it's not a rational process. You know, we're not, we're not taught that in business school, you know, in business school, everything is, is a rational process. Everything is looked at from, yeah outdated economic models that expect humans to be rational actors. And we just know that's not the case. So it's time for a whole new paradigm. And that's what I try to help people access. Yeah. I mean, that's wonderful. And I can, I can hear the passion and, uh, 
the engagement in your in your work when you describe it. So you're you're coming from a place of love and and you are talking through your heart as as you're answering this question. <laughs> yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been I got into this work because I was just so shocked at how everywhere I worked for years was just had suddenly a technical difficulty prevented the two friends to continue the conversation but don't worry they managed to change the material you might therefore experience a difference in audio quality for the better hopefully thank you for listening Yeah, so you just told us about uh, like what it means to bring love, in fact, to the, the corporate world. Uh, what I'm curious to know is um, what kind of obstacles do you meet when you try to do that? Because if I can make an analogy with uh, you know the agile way of working, the agile, sorry, way of working, it's comes from a very good idea and so from a, a lot of good values and possibilities but the the implementation is very difficult because you always have to be sure that the whole organization accepts those values and principles so i would expect that maybe it's the same or it's similar uh when you try to bring like the leading from the heart approach to to work So is that is that an obstacle that you meet uh in your in your work with the companies or if not what are other obstacles that you that you encounter Yeah it's it's a good point a really good question you know uh, the obstacles have changed over the years of doing this you know in the beginning when I first talk, started talking about love at work you know this was like six years ago and people didn't even understand why that word was relevant, you know, why love was even relevant. But now that's completely changed. You know, that now when I talk about accessing our love at work and and incorporating some form of, lo of love in our heart, in our leadership and what we're doing, people are kind of on board with that idea already. So I have kind of less convincing to do in the beginning. So that's mm -hmm. good. It's like some some barrier of resistance has come down. But then, of course, the way most organizational cultures are structured, it's still a very old system. So we have people that you know want to make a change or make a difference and are still in a, in a really old, you know, outdated system. And what we, so there's always that resistance that happens. There's always people wondering what, Um, can actually be done. There's always there's always some level of frustration with, mm. you know, the the larger culture, you know, being sort of resisting, and uh, there's an inertia to the larger culture that takes time to change. But the thing is, is that that doesn't that doesn't mean it's not worth it to try to change, or that doesn't mean that we can't change it. It it doesn't mean we should just throw throw up our hands and forget about it because we're the ones trying to make ourselves happier at work and no one is going to do that for us. If we're not, if we're not doing our best to activate ourselves and those around us and make an environment we want, we can enjoy every day. No one is going to be doing that for us. You know, if we just, if we just sit here and complain and, 
and say that the company should be doing this, the company should be doing that. That's an extremely disempowering position. That's a very much a like a victim mentality that leaves us little to no choice, mm-hmm. you know, of of what, how we can affect our surroundings. So it's and organizations are just people. They don't exist without people. So, you know, when you get people working together to do things in a way that they like, that that can spread, mm. you know, and that can that can kind of it can be contagious and it can catch on, you know, and, and it does it does typically have to you know, for an organization to change fully, the leaders at the top have to be engaged in that change because they're the ones who kind of set the tone that ripples throughout the culture. But everybody, no matter where they are in an organization, can create a little subculture yes. in their own team. So we have to just focus on the areas we can control, you know, and the the things that we can we can do for ourselves. And those things, when they come from a heart-centered place, have a ripple effect. It has a positive effect on all those mm-hmm. around us. And when we learn how to facilitate from a heart-centered place, then we can start l- helping others activate those best qualities inside of them. And we can just do our best from wherever we are. You know, that's all we can do is to do our best from where we are with what we have. And if at some point that becomes just not engaging, that becomes just like it's like extremely tiring as opposed to giving us energy, then, you know, there might be a decision made that we need to switch where we are in our work. We need to switch, make a, you know, some big switch either out of a company or totally Mm. change how we do our work or do our jobs, you know, something like this. And a lot of those switches are are possible. You know, there, there are stories all the time of people making big switches of how they do their work, even staying with the same company, you know? So, there's a lot more flexibility changes variability in the workplace now than there ever was you know and a lot more uncertainty actually and you know that uncertainty is an opportunity because it means we can craft we might have a bigger chance to craft even more of our work situation mm. that's how i see it well that's i think that's a very optimistic and positive message that you are sharing now that you said that there are <laughs> less obstacles that there is more flexibility in, in the companies that's that's really great to hear that from from your point of view because you work with many companies and you can have like a larger picture of someone who would be you know working in one company and seeing just his immediate uh, surrounding so Thanks for spreading like, you know, good news. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can still, you know, it can all be derailed by like a terrible leader, <laughs> yeah. in, you know, in a company. I mean, like it's, it, there's a, there's a kind of a, there's a saying that people don't leave organizations. They, they leave people. They leave people. Yeah. So, you know, they, mm. they leave because of their boss, mm. you know, they, they leave because they feel like they don't have bad leadership. They don't, they're not leaving the company. Mm. Um, and and that is, you know, something like statistics back that up. Something like seventy-two percent of people who leave companies cite, you know, the man- management as a, the reason they leave. Yeah. You know, so there's, you know, bad leadership is still out there, and um, e- your relationship with your manager it has pr- is probably the one relationship 
at work that has the biggest impact yeah. on whether you're going to like your job or not. So, you know, a, a difficult relationship and that relationship can be managed by the way, that relationship can be changed quite a bit mm. if it's not going so well, but that relationship has a big, a big effect. And sometimes if you just get a boss that's a dick, there's nothing you can, you know, there's not really much you can do about it. And that's, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, so I have other topics I wanted to talk to you, uh, about, but this one is super interesting. So, um, I have one last question on that topic, uh, which would be what can like an individual do, uh, someone who's not a leader or not the leader, bring more love to his workplace and work surrounding what, what is a, a simple thing, a simple act that that's one can do. Okay, cool. Good question. Good question. Well, you know, the, the answer to this big conundrum of how do we change workplaces, you know, globally, you know, how do we change the world of work? The answer is, is pretty, pretty simple, actually. It's, it, it grows much more complicated when you get into the details, but the main point is just help people grow themselves, help people find out who they really are and engage in their own personal development, you know, help people mm. find their own key qualities inside themselves. And then people change the world around them. You know, that's how it works. Everything that is exists right now in the working world, we made up, mm. you know, we, we decided it to be this way, the, you know, either collectively or individually, we chose the current situation that we're in and we're choosing it every day. If we, if we just keep the status quo the way it is, you know, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the choices that were made in how we work these days were made in the industrial revolution, you know, the eight hour workday, yes. that, that yeah. was something that came from the industrial revolution. You know, I mean, we don't necessarily need it to be set up like that right now. You know, mm. it's just so that that's like, there's so many things we get to make new choices about based on our own personal development, our own sense of freedom, our own sense, personal sense of what really works for us and fits who we are authentically. So helping someone mm. find that is the key to changing all this one person at a time. So if you're, no matter who you are in an organization, do something that focuses on your personal development. Look at work, not just as a job, but as, an, as a chance for you to develop yourself, grow yourself in some way. You know, mm. you're there eight hours a day. So don't just, you know, like just getting money for that is not worth it. For that's yeah. eight, that's eight hours of your life every day. That's more time awake you're spending at work or responding to work stuff than you're doing anything else, you know? So use that opportunity to develop yourself in whatever way that means. And, and as you do that, the best way to get the, the things that you want to experience, like the best way to get appreciation, the best way to get trust, the best way to get peaceful communication, the best way to get more creative ideas, the best way to get more flexibility, the best way for, for people to, to get trust, the best way to get trust and for people to open up around you. The best way to get all those things is to give it yourself first. Is yeah. to give it. That's the best way you get it. So no matter where you are in an organization, no matter what you know level you are, no matter whether you think you're a leader or not, you are based on the things you give. What you are giving to those around you is how you're leading. 
That's how you're but, modeling. So that's, stop. that's it, where it start. It, it doesn't stop at the, I mean, this doesn't apply only for the workplace, for the workplace, right? Oh yeah. I mean, we, no, we could take it, we could take it outside the workplace for sure. But that's the answer to the question of what someone can do, even if they're not a quote unquote yeah. leader in an organization is figure out how you want to grow, figure out what you want to experience at work and start seeing if you can give those things around you, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And if you can talk directly with your manager about what would make you feel great, you know, do that and start modeling that, you know, you have to be, we have, no one's going to make that, that situation around us that we need for us. No one can tell us what we want to feel. You know what I mean? Mm. We have to find that inside of us and see how we can create that with just little things, little experiments, little ways that we can give those things to others, see how it affects the team, see what happens, you know, try little fun things at work mm. related to appreciation, related to trust, related to new projects, related to collaboration, you know, try, try things you don't know, you know, try things first and then ask for permission later. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a great phrase that's like, uh, don't ask for permission, yeah. ask for forgiveness. You know, I think that really applies to the workplace, you know, just, just do something, even if it's outside of the normal, you know, and then if, you know, someone can just tell you, Hey, wh what was that? That was weird. Let's not do that again. Or someone will tell you, Oh, that that's pretty good. That's pretty cool. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, I think it's better to, to do that, you know, and, invite your people who get you hmm. along the way and you know and you can create those like these little partnerships of people who get each other at work and who want to create the environment of um that you really want to live in and really want to be in so there's actually a lot that anybody could do that i guarantee right now they're not doing if they would just sit down and think to themselves okay what do i want who around me gets that how do i start giving these things that i want around me and let's see what happens That's a, that's an amazing uh, piece of advice that you just that you just gave, and if someone listening wants to you know experience it firsthand, we will put uh, David will give his contact at the end of the podcast, and it will be in the show notes. Uh, but uh, cool. it's I'm really I'm really glad that people like you bring this kind of approach to work because um, having spent like more than a year in an unhappy work relationship i can i can vouch for the fact that you know having some love in putting in there and more um attention put on my self-development and what i really want would have made the situation very different like this advice that you just give uh they would have applied to me uh big time mm. so mm. thanks for sharing them So in this podcast, I interview people who inspire me. Um, oh. And one of the things that you did that I found very, very inspiring is what you did following your guidance. Uh, so I'm not sure if you still call it like that, but following your gut, following your excitement, uh, you took some yeah. big steps in your life and made some big change um, that's Because a lot of people, you know, in the spiritual circles, in the self-improvement circles, they talk a lot and they don't act. And uh, I could <laughs> see, I could see firsthand that you, you really, you know, you said you were gonna, you said you were following a certain way of thinking, and then you act upon it. So, could you, could you share 
what you're comfortable with, uh, with our listeners, toward your, your life path and how you followed your guidance? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that uh, it's something that you find interesting, you know, because um, if, if, if I could help anybody, you know, follow their highest guidance in their life and start listening to, you know, their, their spirit, start listening to their, to their higher self in their decisions, you know, and if we all did that, I feel like the world would change so quickly. It would be, it would just be, we would just, you know, break all our ideas of what's possible. So, you know, I know you are doing that as well. I know you've been, you've been looking into this and have been practicing this as well. Basically the idea is that, you know, I learned from, I learned from the first quarter of my life, you know, that, uh, maybe maybe longer than that, you know, maybe like into my early 30s, that my brain has no idea how to make me happy. Mm. My brain was constantly telling me what I should do. I had lots of ideas about what I should do. I had lots of things that were really good on paper. You know, I had I've had really good good jobs. I've had great relationships on paper, you know, lived in great places. I've had success on paper, you know, and I was never happy in, in those, in those situations, you know, and I, I just, uh, after, after decision, after decision that just didn't bring me that, like, where's the happiness I'm supposed to be feeling with this achievement, you know, after, after decision, after decision, I just knew I needed to find something else, you know, and I just really began, well, I mean, I'd already been studying how the brain works and I'd already been on a spiritual path for a long time, but I really just began putting it into practice. I just set the intention for myself that I wasn't going to listen, do decisions in a normal way anymore. I was going to try to really follow the internal messages I get from a deeper part of me that don't come from my thinking, that come from, you might call it intuition, you could call it your heart, you could call it your higher self, you could call it your your higher guidance you could, you know, you could call it uh, your highest alignment, mm-hmm. you know, or hi- maybe even highest excitement. I've called it all these things over the, over time. But the point is, is that my brain is interpreting the world one way. And that's not always the way my spirit is interpreting the world. That's not always the way my heart is interpreting the world. And my heart is actually smarter because my heart can actually process more data. You know, and we can go into that that statement if you want to. But the the bottom line is your your heart is smarter than your head. For understanding what's going to make you happy, for understanding what's going to make you happy, your heart is smarter than your head. So you know, all these things you're trying to get, all these things I was trying to get. You know, success. You know, acquisitions, certain salary level. You know, certain achievements in my career. All these things that my brain said were going to make me happy. I just decided to sh- to shortcut that circuit and be like, well, if I'm just trying to go for happiness, why don't I just ask myself in my heart right now, what would make me happy? Instead of thinking I need to go collect all these things in the future to get my happiness, why don't I just start asking myself right now, what's going to make my heart happy? Why don't I just go right for what I'm really looking for? Happiness. You know, and and that got me into experimenting with different ways to follow my internal guidance. And yeah, I made big decisions that way. You know, the the internal guidance was what led me to quitting my job without another one lined up, 
um, leaving a relationship, leaving the country, deciding to spend three months without uh, just meditating to figure out what my life was really about. All of that happened about seven years ago and all of that happened from my heart. And then while I was, and I had no idea how it was going to turn out, I had no idea what I was doing. And then, you know, from that experience, I just kept following my heart and, you know, certain things one thing sort of led to another and led me into incredible things. You know, it also, uh, following my heart was ended up, I ended up getting, you know, some, uh, a couple years later, I ended up getting divorced. Um, and that was a, that was a heart based decision that opened up incredible things for both me and my ex-wife, you know, my entire business, you know, my entire work for myself, which I've been doing for seven years, surviving successfully, (laughs) working, as an yeah. independent freelancer, you know, I haven't been employed. I haven't had to make a resume, you know, in seven, in seven years, I consider that a bigger achievement than anything I ever achieved in the working world, you know, because I've had freedom. I've had some unbelievable amount of freedom and all that ca- had came from following my heart, you know? And of course, you know, that this, this all, this freedom led me into a whole other level of having to deal with my emotional layers of emotional pain that is a whole different conversation but you know th- there's a huge healing that's been occurring for me over the past uh several years that that also came from these career decisions i had no idea that it was going to be connected but my heart knew my heart led me in that way so so yeah that's how i make all big decisions you know it's it's uh it led me to moving to prague i followed my intuition moving to prague had no you know, there was no intellectual choices for, for living here. Mm-hmm. It was all about the heart. Um, where I live now was, uh, you know, the exact, my current living situation, my current working situations, who my collaborators are, how I go about my day. It's all based on my intuition. I try not to use my brain for any of those big decisions. And the less and less I use my brain, the, the easier life becomes and the better That's it feels. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is my path. <laughs> this is my path. That's amazing. Um, I mean, the the first um, guest in this podcast uh, was your friend, uh, our friend uh, Scott uh, Frazier, and he said something very, very similar that the the brain doesn't know how to make us happy, and that by following his heart or intuition, he, he got into true happiness. And you're the the second one who testify for this way of living and. I, it sure, it sure as hell inspire me, and I hope it will inspire some of our uh, listeners as well. And uh, for them, uh, what would be like again one simple thing that one can do to f- listen, like to allow oneself to listen to uh, one's heart? Hmm. A simple step that's that can be taken toward this path. Well. I I would say start writing about your emotions every day. If you're just getting started understanding how your intuition works, if you're just getting started understanding how your higher guidance works, because all of us have it, all of us have a direct connection to a more intelligent part of ourselves that's connected to the universal intelligence that's running this whole show. Like the bigger consciousness, the oneness that is everything, all of us have an absolute direct line. The only difference is with you know some people compared to others is that the line is more clear. The line is the signal is getting through, 
You know, it, the the signal is just as strong coming to you as it is to me or anyone else. So it's just the the question is: Is the signal getting through? And what what makes the signal get through or not is basically how much emotional noise there is. And hmm. the more you can, the more you can write about your emotions every day and understand what you're really feeling inside. The more you start to clear the debris and open the pathways for your deeper this deeper voice to to make it through because the voice is quieter the voice is more subtle the 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 higher guidance is not shouting the higher guidance is a steady st- steady solid stream but it's not shouting as loudly as all the voices inside your head and and all the uh mm. all the triggers that are popping up and all the things your brain thinks you need to do all the all the uh all the things you think you're doing to look to look good, all the things you th- you're doing because you think it's the, it, you should do it, you know, because of beliefs you picked up in your childhood from your parents or from society, you know, all the all the ways you're trying to avoid rejection, you know, all the ways you're you're trying to, all the all the rules that your brain has inside and your subconscious has about whether what makes you okay or not okay, you know, and all of those rules are constantly shouting at you because they're trying to get you to survive, and all that is noise that's stopping you from hearing your higher self speaking to you. So the way we start to calm that that noise down is is we can we start writing out what we're really feeling because that's what that noise is just trying to get us to understand what we're really feeling, what was really going on inside of us. So we start writing our emotions every day, you know, oh I'm feeling like this and it really it feels like this and it feels so shitty because of this and this and this and we really go into depth and and write out and explore really what is the message of these thoughts going on inside of me? What is the message of these feelings I'm having in my stomach, in my chest, in my throat? What's the message of this anger that I have? What's the message of this sadness, this boredom, this frustration? You know, what's the message from this procrastination? What's really happening? And we just write, we just, we don't need to like, we don't need to be Sherlock Holmes. We just need to start writing and and expressing what these feelings are trying to say. And, and the reason we write them is because it, it gives us uh, a much clearer view. It, it, it like cr- it all of a sudden creates a much clearer mirror when we see our when we see the words on paper as opposed to just trying to figure out inside of our own head. Also, the act of the act of writing and and the moving the hand is helps us kind of get a little bit of a, a some separation from our own um, from our own blind spots and our own traps, and we we get a clearer view into what's really going on inside of us. So, you know, it's it. It's much better than just trying to keep it all in your head. So write write them out to understand your emotional landscape, to understand what you're really feeling every day. You know, this is how I started, and um, it, it quickly it quickly proved to to me be one of the most valuable regular practices I, I had ever done journaling because the things that came out completely surprised me. Even after just a few days, the things that were coming out of my own self, I was like, wow, I didn't even consciously realize I felt this way. And that's the whole point. This emotional noise is subconscious. It's subconscious. We need to make it conscious. The act of writing does that. And, and I, and and you'll see, you'll see all kinds of things. You'll have memories come up. You haven't thought about in years that you realize are still affecting you emotionally in certain situations. You'll have, um, you'll have these, you know, sometimes shallow, sometimes very deep realizations about why you're feeling what you're feeling and what you're feeling. And, and it doesn't even matter that you get to the, even the real source of why, well, all that matters is that you, you connect with the message that's trying to come through you with these emotions. And once you start doing that regularly, you'll find that the noise starts to calm down. You'll find that you 
you're, you, there's a little bit more peace because your subconscious is starting to trust that you're getting the message. And you'll find that in your daily writing, you'll write, you'll start not only writing how you feel, but you'll start getting insights. This is, was how the first, this is, you know, journaling is how the first insights started coming to me. I, I used to never think I had a, a direct connection to intuition. You know, I had people in my life that, you know, seemed to be very intuitively guided. You know, I have an aunt, for example, who's a spiritual teacher who, who I really credit with introducing me to a lot of the, the spiritual path, you know, she was a huge help to me along the way. And, um, and she was always getting, you know, like speaking as if she was getting direct messages from somewhere about her life. And, and there were other spiritual teachers who speak the same way. And I was like, I'm ne- that's not me. I'm never going to feel that. I'm never going to get that. Well, it just started to spontaneously happen once I started exploring myself with with writing, with journaling. And I st- in, in my journaling sessions, in addition to writing my emotions, what I was feeling, I started getting like, I started writing messages kind of from my heart. I started getting like insights that I would write and I, I would write something and I'd be like, oh my God, I just thought that? That just mm-hmm. came from me? That is a, that is a new take on my life. That's a new take on this situation. And it, it didn't have to come from anything I read that came from inside of me and exploring from what I was really feeling. And, and then I just got really excited and the whole thing steamrolled, you know, and, and I have lots of techniques I use now to get in touch with myself, but it started for me with writing, with writing my emotions. And that's the first step I would encourage for everybody. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a great tool. Uh, I used journaling as well for several years like daily writing whatever was wanted to go out and i completely agree with what you say about like adding this degree of separation between you and your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings and what's going on inside you and uh, i yeah i highly recommend this practice for anyone who wants to you know be clearer about what he or she feels or things, or what should, what should be the next step? Because for me, it was of, of great help. Did um, it help you? Did you have the experience of, of it helping you connect with your, with your insight, with your intuition as well? More revealing some things that I wasn't conscious of, like uh, writing, 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 and then rereading. And I was like, oh my God, is it? Did I write that? This is this who I am? Is this what I think? And being sometimes even shocked at what I could see uh, written on the on the paper. Um, So that was more. This was the part that helped me the most, and that still helps me. Actually, when I feel uh, overwhelmed, or when I feel lost, or sad, or when I feel like like uh, an unpleasant emotion takes control of me too much. I, I use journaling as a way of, you know, uh, putting everything on the paper and then having a clearer mind, clearer head to look at what's going on. Great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think there's a, there's a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. It's a famous book, but it's, it's probably like 25 years old by now. But it has in it an exercise called Morning Pages that really inspired that a lot of this for me, um, in addition to a lot of what I, I've learned and studied around emotional processing and what emotions really are and how they work. But the morning pages is basically three pages of, of writing, clearing the crap out of your system in the morning. 
you know, yeah. and I'm calling it crap because that's how most people feel what it is, but it's actually incredibly useful data for yourself and, yeah. and, and a mirror for understanding, you know, how you can go deeper with yourself. But, but it's just, it clears the way it, you know, when you empty this stuff out of yourself, when you let these parts empty what they're trying to express out of yourself and it's it becomes tangible on a page these parts of you start to relax and it's it clears the way for another message to come through mm. yeah yeah great great insight i'll put the i'll put a link to the the artist way in the in the show notes cool um did i just tire you out with that you sound a little bit like you got tired no, 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 no. <laughs> no okay. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, it's just your your deep, uh, sexy French accent. Oh yes. <laughs> so, I want to be you know respectful of your time, but there is one thing uh, that works that that's super inspiring for me, and that you did or that you experienced, Razor, and that tied nicely with what we've talked about since the beginning of this podcast and uh, I know that in spiritual practice it's not so well seen to think about the goal or you know something to achieve uh, or kind of a, yeah I did it but you kind of did it you you told me that you spend like 48 hours in a state of bliss or enlightenment or I don't know how exactly you want to to call that, but basically a state where when everything made sense and everything was like uh, clicking well together. And more importantly, you managed to do that without drugs, which <laughs> is <laughs> which is even more impressing. So uh, would you be okay sharing a little bit about this experience, what it was like and how it came to be? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, you, you're right that it's, it's not the goal. You know, when our ego takes over our spiritual path, our ego thinks we need to get to some certain state, you know, and that's, and the, the ironic thing is, is that once you're in that state, you realize there's nothing you need to get to and everything is perfect. And the ego, it was just hijacking the spirit, spirituality, you know? But I didn't. I didn't actually get there, seeking it. Um, uh, you know, I I got to this place of you know. There's been a few times in my life where I've hit like a high enough vibration that uh, it was um, that I saw the joy in everything, and I saw that life was just an unbelievably beautiful game that we're choosing to play out in infinite forms as we explore who we really are, you know, and this, uh, this becomes so clear, you know, and, and so many people describe this same thing, you know, and, uh, in, in Hinduism, there's a term Samadhi and, you know, that means that you're in conscious connection with the, the oneness of the universe. You're in conscious connection with the, the love that pervades everything. And, you know, people in Samadhi are, they just, they just kind of stay there. They're like sitting and gazing into like nothingness, but in a state of complete absolute bliss. And in the West, you know, if we saw someone doing that, we think there was something horribly wrong with them. 
But when I read, you know, when I read the stories of um, masters from India, you know, in India is a culture that is just so spiritual in its roots. It acknowledges that th- this state, it knows about this state. It's like common knowledge. And you know, one of the gurus I really like, who's all over YouTube and has some amazing courses and he speaks everywhere. His name is Sadhguru, Sadhguru Jenki. And he, his, you know, his story is when he started having these Samadhi states when he was younger, he would just be, he would just be sitting somewhere and it would happen. And like four hours would pass. And he, when he kind of like returned to reality, he would have flower wreaths hung around his neck and he would have food and gifts like uh, at his feet. And what it turns out is, you know, the people in the village or wherever he was, they recognized that he was having a spiritual experience. And so to acknowledge that and to be, be like grateful for that, that this person was like bringing more spirituality into the world, they, they gave him gifts to put flowers on him and stuff. And so this is like, you know, this, this experience of, of oneness is something that is people have been talking about for thousands mm. and thousands of years. It's not, it's real and it's, uh, it's known, it's a known phenomenon and it's available to everybody. And I've been lucky to experience it a few times in my life after being years and years on the spiritual path. And that specific instance that you talked about was a combination of a few things. One of them was that I had just hosted my first spiritual retreat and um, that the retreat was a big kind of opening point for me. I had stepped into the role of, of like uh, being more of a spiritual guide than I had ever done before in my life. And I did it in collaboration with others. I mean, it was just great feeling to have, to have that happen, that retreat. And so, but in the retreat, we did lots of deep exercises, you know, that I was a part of that I think cleared the way for whatever was happening next, you know, and in the retreat I had, I had just got this, you know, big experience that I, I kicked up inside of me this sense of wanting to be more humble and wanting to be more of service. And, um, this sense that of like, you know, this connection that I'm really looking for is here and it's available to me and I want to surrender and feel that because it's already here. So then two days after the retreat, I was visiting a friend, um, a very spiritual friend who has uh, devoted her, her life to s- certain spiritual practices. And she happens to follow one of these, um, one of these masters from India who lives, who lives actually in Germany. And, um, I really like this guy. I really like the things he says. I really like he, he, you know, he's all about helping humanity to find their hearts. He's all about bringing more love into the world and everything we do to make the world better for everybody. And he's not, you know, he's not an overly religious figure. He comes from the Hindu tradition, but he's, he supports everybody. He supports, um, he's also like an ordained minister, I believe, you know, uh, I was actually at his ashram and he has a whole Christian chapel in there with all these, you know, saints. I mean, he's just a, he, he's, he's someone who's in almost a permanent Samadhi state. He is, he is what you would call a, an enlightened master here, you know, uh, on earth in human form. And he is, uh, I had an experience recently 
where I went to uh, I went to visit him for like this this thing he does where he he blesses everybody. He blesses like hundreds of people over the course of several hours. He just sits in a chair and people come up to him individually and and uh, he just basically looks into their eyes. He puts a hand on their head and looks into their eyes for a few moments. And um, you know when when that happened for me, I had these huge these huge openings inside. I mean, I was filled with this just waves of, of love and appreciation for my life and the people around me, you know, just from bringing in this guy's presence. So I had, I knew that he was, he was legit, you know, and that's how, you know, if someone is, is legit, it's, it's not because of, you don't take anybody's word for anything. Okay. Go seek out your own experience. Go see how it feels to be around somebody. Go see how it feels to put somebody's teachings into implementation in your life. You know, and that's the sign for you of whether it's legit or not. Not anybody's mm-hmm. education or books they've read or supposed achievements they've had. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just go find, go have your own experience with what they're saying or go f- have your own experience with somebody and you will know if it's legitimate for you or not. And for me, this guy w- is is legitimate. And I'd, I was just vi- visiting my friend's house. Um, you know, and this was some months ago. This was like, I guess, April uh, or May. I was I was visiting um, my friend's house who follows this guy. And when I was there, I just had an overwhelming, I, I started talking to my friend of, about these emotions coming up and I could feel the pain rising up inside of me. And it was just a pain of really trying to understand my place in the world and, and ha- what my truth is and wanting to surrender, you know, and, and what my f- friend told me uh was she said you know what i'm f- really feeling right now i i just i'm f- feeling my she's well she told me that like she was getting a message that she felt like was inspired by her guru was coming from her guru and the message was for me and that what i really needed was to mm. truly believe in god and um cuz i had kind of put that out of my mind you know being, I was raised a Christian and got disillusioned with it somewhere along the way. And I had kind of put that out of my mind. But, you know, when she said that, a lot really clicked for me because, you know, I don't think of God as some white haired dude in some chair somewhere. You know, like it's it, like God means just to me, just the yeah. universal consciousness, the oneness, the love. You know, God is the joy in everything. You know, everything is made of God. It's very difficult to describe this in the West because the word God has so many, so much baggage attached to it. But fortunately, I was open enough to hear this message from a different perspective of what God could be. And, you know, we're part of it. We're, we're, you know, one way to look at it is we are God in human form having this human experience. You know, basically God is experiencing 3D time space through us. We're the way that that happens, you know, so. Anyway, I was in this frame of mind and feeling this emotional pain and just had a, had an intuitive message inside myself that I needed to to pray in that moment. And I was very uncomfortable to do this because I'm in my friend's apartment, okay? This is someone who we've been on like we've exchanged many spiritual conversations. You know, we're on we're on like kind of I, I feel like we're in similar moments in our spiritual journey. And what was inside of me was was get on your knees and just pray right now and um mm. in front of this person and you know and I and I could feel that that was really 
if I would, this was an opportunity, am I going li- to, yeah. am I going to listen to my ego that doesn't want to do this? Cause it doesn't want to seem vulnerable. It doesn't want to seem stupid. It doesn't want to like, you know, I, I feel like if I get down on my knees and pray right now yeah. with these emotions I'm having, I might cry, you know, like is my ego is resisting this 100%, but you know, this is an opportunity. Am I going to be listening to my ego? Am I listening to my mind or am I going to listen to this? You know, what I feel is this higher message coming through. And by the way, getting on your knees in front of someone and just surrendering is a very humbling act. It's the thing I was looking for. Yeah. It's the sense of being humble to the divine in, in that I wanted so that I could be of service. And so I, I just told my friend, I think I need to pray right now. Can I, you have a little altar here in your living room, you know, can I just pray? And she was like, yeah, of course. And she just sat like drinking her tea. She watched me the whole time. Yeah. Which was part of the, which was, you know, part of the kind of challenge of the experience, part of the thing that unraveled some of my ego because I had resistance to it. I just got on my knees and I prayed. Um, and I prayed basically to the oneness. I prayed to God. I prayed to my own higher self. I prayed even to her guru, you know, uh, like, like, help me surrender. Help me give up these, these bags I'm carrying. Help me find my real truth and, drop these burdens so that I can really feel free in my life. And I just started crying on my knees, my hands and knees. I'm on the floor of her apartment. I'm crying. I'm just surrendering. I'm just giving it all up. I'm just not trying to control myself. I'm not trying to think my way through it. I'm just, I came with this earnest sense in my heart and I just gave it all up in that moment to the divine as best that I could, you know, thinking that I would just have another, you know, a normal kind of emotional process, thinking I would have some emotional release like I normally do you know, when I, when I release my emotions, but maybe this was just a bit more intense. But anyway, I got up from that. Something happened in that experience. I felt like it was done, but I felt like the, her guru or God or something really connected with me. I felt like, you know, my message to the universe was, was answered. Like something came back and I got up from that experience and I, I couldn't even talk. I sat at the, in the table across from my friend and she was like, how are you? You know, that seemed like intense. I couldn't even, I couldn't even say anything. I was, I, I struggled to get out a sentence and I told her I can't really talk right now. And she said, that's okay. You can just sit here. You, your eyes look really different. Something is really different about your face. That's what she told me. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm just going to sit here. And then I just started laughing. After a few moments, I started spontaneously laughing and I just saw, oh my God, everything is perfect. Everything is happening just so beautifully. The opportunity for us to be so in love with our life is right here. And I, why do I ever not trust? Why do I ever think I need to control anything? Why do I ever feel like I can't, I'm not okay or I can't trust what's happening? And, like, and oh my point, God, I can just relax. At this yeah. point, I need Sorry, to precise. No, no, no. At this, just it's important to precise again that there was no drugs involved, right? It's just from the process that no you described, drugs. going to your friends, yeah. you know, talking yeah. with her, then completely surrendering. Despite, and this I find very interesting because you, we talked about it earlier. Despite the brain telling you, no, don't do this because X, Y, Z, you're going to look weak. It's weird to do that. You don't know her that well. Despite the brain telling you not to do it, despite she's looking at you, then you, even though you surrender, you listen to your higher self and you just go for it. And thanks to that, you reach this place. That's, that's fantastic. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There was there wasn't any drugs. I hadn't even at the retreat, at the spiritual retreat, there wasn't any any drugs involved. Just a lot of meditation, a lot of internal work, and it just kind of continued for, you know, the those couple of days till I saw my friend and then I just I had just a bit uh you know, I just tried to totally let myself go. You know, I yeah. was like if it's if it's true that I'm that my spiritual self, my higher self is in here, like I just want to let the rest of me go and I just fell on the floor and and with it with it I mean, it honestly, it honestly was not that different from other times that I've prayed, you know, with an, with like an earnest heart to just discover what is in the moment mm. and just be in the moment with whatever happens. Like <clears throat> it wasn't that different, but, but the thing is, is this is part of the magic of like, of this spiritual journey is that it can happen. Like these, these amazing moments can happen at any time. Yeah. And if, and every spiritual teacher says, if you go looking for these, if you earnestly, you know, sit with yourself and open yourself and surrender and, and see what happens and, and set your, your heart, let your heart be open to, to something amazing happening. It will happen for you. It will happen for you. It will happen for anyone who goes looking for it. Every spiritual teacher had said this and, you know, and this was, my one of my experiences that proved this out and so after you know after sitting there i just i just felt like why don't i why can't i trust why can't like why do i ever not trust because it's all perfect and beautiful and i'm so happy to be here and that feeling lasted for like 2 days you know i'm i'm in an improv group and I mean, it changed a lot of how I approach, it changed how I approach my work. I was so much more relaxed about my work. I was so much more relaxed in my relationship. And I went to an improv uh, practice, you know, and one of the, one of the guys in the group, you know, uh, asked my girlfriend, like, what did you guys do at the retreat? Because <laughs> David came to, to improv practice and he was like so calm and self-assured and like everything just seemed to be like he was just flowing in the practice. I mean, he was like, he was like on another wavelength. What did you guys do at the retreat? You know, and my girlfriend, you know, didn't really have a great answer because it, it wasn't just the retreat. It was this like, yeah. it was this surrender experience that I had where I felt like the divine, you know, came back the divine showed itself and graced me with something that I, I get to remember now. I get to remember what's possible now. That's the, that's the amazing thing about these experiences that they, you know, they come and yeah, I fell back into my normal routine after a couple of days. I fell back into a lot of my normal thinking patterns, but I also have in my experience, I can remember now very clearly what's possible. Yeah. And that makes more of those experiences much more possible. That makes it a lot easier to think like I did when I was in that experience. So yeah, I mean, yo, thanks for asking me about that story. I, I haven't ever told that story like that, like in 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 this way, kind of in a public forum like this. Um, so it feels really good to talk about it because it it just reaffirms my belief that it's available to anybody who goes and looks for it. Well, then, <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, I didn't know that you you never shared it publicly before. Um, I mean, it's not like we have millions of listeners, but uh, even though I appreciate the gesture of being open and sharing the the story, because it is truly inspiring uh, to know that this is possible, this is available right here, right now, to someone who's willing to to surrender and just to see through, among other things, through the bullshits of the mind, and and all those limiting beliefs that we have and all these 
layers of of crap that we put on ourselves and um i mean i just experienced brief instance of what you just described like maybe a, a minute or two and it felt incredible and um yeah i mean that, that that's fucking amazing man so thank you for sharing that <laughs> yeah absolutely and if anybody's interested in this uh in this guru I'm talking about, you know, if that appeals to anybody out there, you know, don't, don't go if it doesn't appeal to you only go if it, if it actually is exciting and interesting for you to check out, you can find his, um, his name is Swami Vishwananda. He, you can find them at, uh, um, bhakti marga.org. And maybe, uh, maybe Arno, you can put that in the show notes as well, because yeah. their organization yeah. is doing a lot of interesting things. Even if you're not into the whole guru idea, they're doing a lot of interesting meditations and they have cool events and he has books um, in English if you just want to read something. But yeah, I think I really believe he's one of the people here doing incredible work in the world for humans to help us all feel better in our lives. So, you know, I'm happy to uh, to give him a little plug. He really he helped uh -huh. me. Where? Yeah. yeah, sure. We'll I'll put in I'll put it in the in the show notes. We're gonna have to do a part two some other time <laughs> because uh, there are so many more things that I would like to ask you and and I would like you to share. But uh, for now, I just have like uh, a few like three general questions and then uh, we can we can wrap up uh, if you still have time. That is. Yeah, absolutely. I still have time. But first of all, you yeah. know, I, like. I would love to hear about these two minutes that you talked about, you know, these, these, these two minutes of like this opening happened where you, you got all of a sudden you felt like you were in more clarity. All of a sudden you felt yeah. like you were feeling that trust and peace that's available. I mean, what, what happened for you? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Cause I love, I love hearing these stories too. Oh yeah, of course. So the last time that happened that I can recall right now was actually at your retreat, like the second, not the retreat you talked about, but the second one you did after. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've been, again, not taking drugs, but meditating a lot <laughs> and doing some uh, heart opening exercises and, and dance. And, and, um, and at some point I realized At some point, I remember, I, I forgot which activity was immediately before, but I, I, I felt the need to go to my room and I just uh, laid down and I started to lock and like without control um, and, and half crying as well without tears, but like just releasing. And it lasted for, I did. So I heard my brain telling me, you know, be a man, don't do that. What are you doing? You're losing control. <laughs> and uh, but but I I could you know like let that aside. Watch like consider it because this is just a thought that goes through my uh, you know field of awareness. So I just looked at that thought go away. What was happening? Which was the release? And after the release, I felt light you know like not not heavy i felt like a burden was removed from my shoulders and i just like look at the room look at my hands then i think i, I, I stood up and i went to to go out of the house we were in to look at the beautiful nature around and i felt like everything is okay this is amazing this being everything you know everything is a, mi a miracle uh 
and feeling very really connected to to all of that and uh that was fantastic and then i don't know i guess the brain won me back like oh yeah we need to do this stuff i need to write that i need to blah, blah, blah. and then I, I fell out of this of this state but uh yeah i remember it very clearly that moment when i managed to you know surrender control and just witness or observe observe like the the beauty of the now yeah oh that's beautiful man that's beautiful i love that it started with laughter for you too as well i've you know in the, in these experiences that i've had laughter has always been a part of it and um yeah. and and it's so beautiful that laughter comes it comes from like it comes from a place of just you start you all of a sudden you can like see into the matrix you know and you just realize, oh my God, this is this is hilarious. This is amazing. And and the other thing I really loved about what you said is how you know the room didn't change, you know, but but when you broke through to this feeling inside of you, when you broke through to this level of consciousness, the whole room looked different, and your hand looked different, and the world, without having changed around you, the world actually looked completely different and you saw it in a totally different way. And that's so important for people to realize any listeners that are, that are, you know, on the spiritual journey, it, once you have one of these experiences, you really see inside yourself. It is not about my life circumstances that decide whether I'm happy or not. Mm. It's, it's about me inside myself and what, what part of my consciousness I'm accessing and the same life scenario feels completely differently based on what part of my consciousness I'm accessing. And I have so much ability to have so much joy and love come through me right now in my current life circumstance. You know, and, and when you, because the ego is always trying to change the world outside of you to get the things it thinks you, you want to feel, you know, but this, the soul and your higher guidance knows that you don't need to do that. There's instead of trying to change that world around you, just let go of all your thoughts that are telling you to change the world around you. And you'll find out that there's all kinds of beautiful things right there already, right here. And, you know, that's if you're resisting that news right now, that's your ego resisting that because your ego is like, no, I can't be happy in my current life situation. That's the reason you're not happy there. Is because your ego is telling you that. Your ego has rules that you can't be happy. And what you'll find is that when you access these states, your your external situation also starts to change anyway. It can't possibly stay the same. It's always in a state of flux. Don't you want to be feeling your happiness and your joy as things are changing instead of always your, oh, things aren't good enough right now. I have to get something yeah. in the future. You know what I mean? So it's it really flips the whole acquisition mindset that we have that most of us are running on its head when you have one of these experiences and and your your description of you know lying down in a room waking up in that like kind of waking up in that same room and seeing the room completely differently is a perfect ana- analogy for that it helped me it helped me think of that point so i think that's great hmm. yeah thank you well um i remember it vividly um and it was amazing uh yeah just about the loft the lofter um it's it's so 
such a great mechanism, you know, built in that it will shake at the same time, like the belly and at the same time, the muscle around the face and, and, you know, the plexus as well. And so it's, it's such a great natural way to move the energy around and move the, the stress around. Uh, I mean, that's just another, you know, miracle about being a, a human <laughs> being, you know, Absolutely. Uh, there is this, this system that shakes all the right parts at the right moment. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and you're just, you're just free after that. That's, that's fantastic. Totally. Um, so I have like three three questions that I want to start asking to to every guest to to get uh, different perspectives on on this idea. Um, so the first one, and it's more general, right? It's not doesn't have to be about spirituality or or, or you know creativity. Just answer the way you feel it. Um, what have you changed your mind about recently? Hmm. Oh man. It, well, it can be something small, something important, something deep, something completely shallow. Just what have you changed your mind about recently like in the last months or year or you know? Well, the first thing that came to my mind, you know, I'll just trust that. You know, I'll trust that that came up not out of coincidence. The first thing that came is I've changed my mind completely about my my preferences and the power that my preferences need to have in my life or not. Um, and you know, for a while I was, I was still on the track of, you know, like, look, maybe I don't need to, to change all these the circumstances to feel good. You know, I, I can feel good more and more right now and circumstances will change and I can, they can just get better and better and better. But I was still following my preferences. Like, here's how I would like circumstances to change. Like, but, you know, I'm not going to push too hard, but let's hope they go in this direction. Mm. Or here's how I would like my girlfriend to act. Here's how I, would, how I would like my food to taste. Here's how I would like my routine to be. And I realized that all these preferences of what I like and dislike are just another trap. They're another, they're another form of bondage mm. to, um, to the thing that keeps me not happy. So, um, so I've, I've been surrendering a lot more in, in, uh, in terms of, in terms of like my, my just simple little daily life stuff. And it's caused me to encounter a lot of my internal rules that, you know, I just thought were normal. I just thought it was fine to have preferences about yeah. certain things, like certain, certain things I like to eat or ways I like to eat or certain things I like how the kitchen to look or like certain things I like about my living situation or certain things I like about how I take care of my body. Like when I get up and my, my hour, my routine for eating and when I work out and things like that, I just thought, oh, it's good to figure all that out. It's good to have those, you know, preferences like what, you know, yeah. and, and, um, but it turns out that that wasn't good for me. Maybe it's good for some other people, but those were actually for me. It was forms of my. It was still. It was ways my ego was was trying to control. So, so you so just give, give yeah. it up. Give it all up. You're like you just have no preferences anymore. Or how does it work exactly? Well, now? good God, no. Good God, I'm still. <laughs> I still have preference. I still have them. I still have them. But what I'm trying to do is I'm. Tr I'm trying not to let my preferences dictate 
how I, how I'm acting or feeling about a situation. I'm just, oh. I'm just exploring them and seeing what's happening. And so like, you know, I went to an Ayurvedic doctor recently to see what they would say, to see if I would get, you know, to see what would like, if there was a way I could get more balance in, in my life. And basically the way they taught me how to eat, um, the way they told me how to eat and the way they told me how to sleep and how to run my day mm-hmm. was completely different from what I was doing. And, um, so my, my brain has been really fighting it. And so what I've been, you know, what I've realized is that like, it's not fighting it for any other reason than it just has these simple preferences. Can I just let that discomfort happen? Do this routine anyway, see what, see what will change, see if I'll enjoy it, you know, see if I'll, um, and it sounds like a very, very little thing. It doesn't sound like a big deal, except now I, you know, there are so many conversations I'm just not having with my girlfriend anymore because I'm just deciding not to speak from my preferences. You know, there are so many, um, there, there's just like, there's actually, uh, it took my brain a couple of weeks to stop worrying about food and how I was going to cook for myself and what I was going to do. But I'm, I'm starting to get into this state where I'm like, well, I just don't have to have preferences about food. I can just let this advice guide me each day and see what happens, or I can surrender even more and just see what happens around food. My brain is freaking out about that. He's like, no, we have to eat correctly. We have to eat right. We have to eat to get enough of this nutrition. And, Mm. you know, we have to, you know, and I'm just like, well, what if I just gave, gave all of that up? Even the things I like to eat, what if I try to just give those, give those up? And, And some would look at what I'm doing and think, oh my God, you're just being totally Spartan. You're being like a, you're being like an aesthetic. You're totally like, like, uh, denying yourself things. And, you know, I can understand that perspective, but it's an experiment in what happens when you give up your preferences because, you know, feeding all your little sensations for pleasure all the time is just keeping you locked in needing those little pleasures to be okay. Mm. You know, what if there's some deeper form of pleasure that feels better than all of those little things. Now, don't get me wrong, man. Look, I'm still eating like, like today, I, today I, I went to this, uh, to this, uh, bio store and I bought these little balls that like taste like they're, they're these little vegan balls that taste like little vegan donuts. And I, I love them <laughs> and I just ate them all. So like, like, look, man, You're come on, I'm, but I'm trying, <laughs> no, I'm trying to, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to let my brain run even the logistic, even these little logistical things in my life. I'm trying to take my what see what happens if I don't do it based on my thinking. And, and, and that's, uh, you know, that's been, that's been a new thing for me. That's my answer okay. to that question. That's very interesting. And, and, uh, an interesting area to experiment for me, just to try to give away my preference for a few days to see what happens. Cause I really like what you said earlier that don't trust anyone's, <laughs> yeah. you know, teaching just, try it and see how it works for yourself that's something that i i do as well and uh so this this sounds like something i'd like to experiment with for sure cool yeah definitely let me know how it goes okay okay um you've had like a a lot of changes in your life and you told us about uh, some of them um what is what is an advice that you would give to your younger self and uh, you can choose at what age you want, uh, you know, you want to talk to. If you want to talk to ten years old, fifteen years old, thirty years old, David, what's what advice would you give to yourself? Hmm. 
I would say, hey, buddy, have have fun where you are right now, um, because you know let let yourself feel the fun that you're having. But even if you can't, it's okay. It doesn't matter because everything that's happening is perfect. And one day you're going to look at all this stuff that you're experiencing and you're going to see the absolute perfect value of all of it. And you're going to see how every single thing that you experienced is a perfect setup for what you're trying to accomplish on an energetic level with your human life. And, um, and you don't have to worry about it. And all these things that you're worried about are, um, all these things that you're worried about, you know, within such a short amount of time, they're not even going to be in your mind. Literally every one of your worries is, is completely made up by you. So there's never going to be any consequence you actually have to worry about because it's all working out perfectly. So, so, you know, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here and going through the stuff you're going through because what you're going through is, is helping us evolve and it's helping all of humanity because we're all in this together and every person's life is helping humanity on an energetic level. So this is uh, this is great work you're doing, even though you don't even know you're doing it. So I hope you have fun along the way. And by the way, I'm here. I'm here. Your future self is here that you can energetically connect to anytime you want and get some advice from. By the way, this future self now in the current moment also needs to remember that, that I can connect with my future yeah, self about and get some advice. <laughs> Yeah, because everything is happening now. So it's all good. We're all in it together. I so love the experiences you went through. Uh, I'm here for you and I love you. Thanks for being awesome. Awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, last question. Uh, so I someone asked me this question uh, last week, I think, and it really it, it took me by surprise because it's pretty broad. But I liked the way it made me think. So I'm going to ask it in this podcast and see how people react. Um, what is life for you? <laughs> Great question. This reminds me of actually, I actually had a podcast with Scott, you know, your previous yeah. guest for a long yeah. time. And uh, one of the one of the sessions, he just was like, "Hey, David, I'm going to open up and uh, just going to ask you a question to start the episode. You know, we don't know where it's going to go. Are you cool with that?" I was like, "Yeah." And he he asked me, "Why are you here?" He just out of nowhere, he was like, "Why are you here?" And I was like, "Oh my, oh my god!" But you know, an answer came through. An an yeah. answer came through. And this is this is like one of those questions: What is life? Yeah. Life is. Life is a game that spirits play to experience what it's like to feel separate from love, to experience what it's like for change to take place over time, to experience what it's like to hold a very specific perspective in a very specific time and place. It's a game Spirits play to have these experiences that are only possible in the physical space-time world in order to, and the, the point of this game is to make it seem like we're separate from each other 
so that that we can return to the love and wholeness and oneness that we really are in the physical form to seem like you know we're not safe and you know and we're somehow not love so that we can so that we look for love again and we return to love and make it actually realized in the physical world in 3D time space that for me is what life is it's a beautiful ongoing game that spirits are playing you know i keep hearing this metaphor or this image or this analogy between life and a game and the last one i heard before the one you just said was that if you if you were to play uh, a video game with no obstacle at all like it's there is nothing you're just like imagine mario and you just go from left to right and there is no holes there is no enemies it would be boring as shit and <laughs> yeah. and that's we want obstacles in games and taking life as a game it's it's it doesn't make sense to be surprised that there will be obstacle because if life since life is a game there are obstacles and they 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 can be expected and enjoying the enjoying their encounter so that that's why your that's right th that's what's your your answer which i found uh, very very beautiful to to tell you the truth that's that's what it brought in me this this concept of comparison between game uh, life and video game Mm, yeah, yeah, I love seeing life as a video game. Well, as you know, because yeah, I love yeah, video yeah, games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, but it's you're absolutely right, you know. And there's even more analogies, you know, to to life as a video game. For example, the player is your higher self, you know, yes. and Mario on screen—that's you in the 3D space-time world. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, with video games, we've literally made a replica of what's going on, you know. At a, at a higher level. So like your, your soul is like playing this character that has limitations, you know, that, um, can, you know, can only move in certain ways, you know, can only like, you know, like Mario can only go left or right and he can jump, you know, and if he gets a star, he gets empowered, he gets a mushroom, he gets bigger, you know what I mean? And so like, you know, this, the soul is playing a character that has some, some limitations and certain perspective in, and, uh, in order to go through these ups and downs because of the amazing feeling of the victory of winning the game. You can't, you wouldn't have that euphoria of winning the game if the obstacles weren't there, as you say, you know, like you, you know, it's it. So, and the obstacles that we create for ourselves in this life game are these obstacles of separation and fear. And as each one of those that we move through, we get closer and closer to the love that we really are. And that victory, that hero's journey, that redemption story, you know, of, of being down and then rising up and, and like winning in the end, which is inevitable for everybody winning in the end, you know, that, that feeling of that euphoria, that victory only comes because we experience the down, hmm. you know, we experience the low moment and, uh, 
And that's, yeah, that's, that's why we're, that's why the obstacles are there. They're there to give us the chance to, to remember who we are and feel that experience of that beautiful experience of coming out on the other side. Yeah. I mean, nothing else to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, David, it's been amazing. Um, I really appreciate. I mean, you and I have had several great. Wait, wait, wait. You know, Arno, Arno, I just want to say, I'm sorry I had to interrupt you, but I just want to say, uh, you know, like there are some really serious fucking obstacles out there that people are facing, you know, like serious, you know, people in, li in, in lives that. Yeah from a certain perspective, seem absolutely horrible mm. and unbe unbearable and un unbelievable, you know? And um, like the thing is, is what everybody says is that when we die, we re-enter that the perspective of like the oneness and the love and we re-enter the experience of, of complete freedom that we really are. And we see um, how powerful every experience is and we see the value of every experience you know and this doesn't give us an excuse to abuse each other in fact the very opposite because you know anything anything we perpetuate on others we are likely to experience at some at some point you know in all of this in all of this game and any you know and any ways we're acting you know not from love are ways that are holding us back from feeling our own ultimate sense of happiness inside. So, you know, this is not an, an excuse to, to do harm to each other. Yeah. You know, I will say though, that similar to a video game, you know, if you have a really shitty turn and you die, uh, you, uh, you, you know, then you just like respawn and you start again. So it's actually, you know, like no matter what, this this whole thing is uh, a game of love and we're we're okay we're okay and and in these experiences we're talking about you know you start to see that more and more so you know it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes at first but the longer you go down this this uh, spiritual path the more and more you realize how held and supported we really are and how we are we are okay and the more we believe we're okay the more we can bring that love and okayness into the world and have the world be a reflection of that and see that more and more in our physical circumstances and less and less suffering you know will happen so i just wanted to add that part i think that's you know kind of an important piece is part of how it, when i like to talk about this it is yes thank you um i mean one part of it made me uh tick because it could give, um, how to say, it could give like some validity to suicide and, uh, you know, f ending this life here uh, one way or, or another, because if when we die, we just go back to the beautiful natural essence of, of pure being, then someone who's not satisfied in his current physical form could want to end that so i'm i'm having some you know thoughts about that um you know about this kind of concept but 
I agree with you that this is a great game to play and that we need to play it uh, with each other and that what we, we need to give good to receive good and to bring more good to the world as a whole. I'm just a bit, uh, and now I'm, I'm blanking on the, word, on the word in English, I'm just a bit uh, reserved on the when we die, every, when we die, everything's going to be okay part. Okay. Yeah. No. What, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Uh, what are you feeling about that? Like, what do you think will happen? You know, what are you kind of like, what am I about? worried about? I'm worried about, okay. I'm, I'm listening to a lot of, uh, information about jihadists and suicide bombers and, and people like that. And <clears throat> Mm. One thing that's mm. becoming clearer and clearer in my mind is that it's they are motivated by ideas. Like they they truly believe that death and murder of others and doing all those horrible things that they do will will take them to paradise. And this is I think a very dangerous idea that um i i think shouldn't be spread you know because if you if you're convinced that if if you kill people in the name of uh, allah or if you if you give your own life in the name of of uh, god then you're going to go to this magic place after then for me that that is a problem because all the rules of that we are building we as a society of of humans trying to raise the good and the joy and the communication um, and all those positive values that we mentioned in this podcast uh, all of this goes to the toilet if we if we face someone who think that this life is completely an illusion and what matters is you know uh, the end and that by going to the best end you need to give your life for that so that that's what i'm worried about when uh when i hear about the in the end everything's gonna be okay and by end i mean in the death i don't know if that makes sense or yeah yeah yep yep i, I think i see what you're saying so you're kind of saying like if if the idea that there's this reward for that behavior makes you know just makes all this uh, behavior we don't want uh possible you know or you called it you know horrible it makes it makes it possible and it makes it even um it makes it even advisable so if we say that you know af- after death we're back in this loving state you're you're saying that that might justify something like a suicide bomb yeah or motivate it even yeah i don't really like my current circumstances so i'm gonna kill people and kill myself and i mean in i talked about uh, suicide bombing because i i i'm uh, interested in the topic and uh and uh, i think about it a lot recently but even one could hypothetically take his own life because of that because oh you know this this physical life suck i want to go back to this wholeness of love and take my own life and this i don't think is the right thing to do 
Well, what do you think happens to them when they die? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but... Yeah, David, tell <laughs> but, us what happened but, once uh, we die. <laughs> no, I have no clue. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, but uh, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, they, if if they were happy and okay, if they were, if they were not somehow completely overwhelmed with their circumstances. And, you know, if they didn't think there was no other way, I don't, I'm not so sure they would be doing this. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's the idea that love and oneness exists and that we, we experience it between lives. I don't think that's the idea that is the problem. I think the problem is that there are still billions of people on this planet who live every day in conditions that make them think, how the fuck can I get out of this quickest way possible? And those conditions, you know, they, that makes a, a ripe situation for like a terrorist group who is not acting out of any form mm -hmm. of love, you know, a terrorist group to, um, to, uh, I mean, that's, that's not entirely true, but because I think everything is love. So, but I mean, you know, they're they're acting from, you know, a place of destruction. You know, they 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 find these people, who's are just so uh, are so overwhelmed with unbearable circumstances. What they feel are unbearable circumstances that the the idea of ending their life appeals to them. You know, I think on some level the idea of ending their life appeals to them already. And then you have a group coming along that says, Hey, if you end your life in this particular way, you're going to be glorified after you die. You're going to be, uh, we're going to take care of your family, your family's, you know, we're going to give all this money to your family, your mother, your sisters, your younger brother, they're all going to be taken care of for the rest of their life. Um, you know, plus you're going to be helping the world become a better place. Uh, you know, I mean, these, so it's like, well, look, my circumstances suck. I'm never going to get out of it. I want to die already. Why not, you know, why not believe what these people are saying? It's mm. so easy to, it would be so easy to believe that if, if you're already, you know, going in that direction. So I don't, I don't think the problem is the idea that the, that like we return to love after death, no matter what, because I do think these people experience the same thing that anybody experiences after death, we return to the oneness. We return to the love. You know, and many, many people who have been in near-death experiences and many, many spiritual people who who talk to us about what it's like in uh dimensions we can't see with our with our, you know, with our three-dimensional eyes, you know, they they all describe this like this kind of reflection on our human life and what did we do with it? You know, and what did we what did we experience? Um, and did we make the choices that we, that we really, you know, wanted to make? And so, you know, I think that, uh, the, the worst, you know, the worst thing that will happen, um, to these people is that they will, they will realize they made, you know, they made choices that were not out of love 
and you know that will be that will be you know, then they'll, they'll they will have to come back and try to do things a little bit differently you know and as a consequence of their behavior they might experience something um they they might choose as a soul to experience the other side of that behavior that's very often what what happens supposedly you know like if we're an abuser in one life our soul you know it wants to explore all sides of the issue so we'll you know we'll come into another life later where we're the one that's being abused you know and we call this like karma but it's it's really just like a balancing it's really just an exploring things from all sides you know so so once you once you see i mean for me once i see life in from this level i don't really think there is you know a right or wrong anymore even these even these uh you know these like these suicide bombers you know there there's a level to see this that it's all part of the universe experiencing itself and it doesn't need we don't need to judge it as as wrong you know and now like if they were to kill someone in my family right or like even my dog maybe i would feel differently for a little while but the you know I, that's the way i see it right now it's like there's a bigger there's a bigger thing happening and the more we acknowledge that bigger love and bring it in the less this type of behavior will make sense on the planet to these people because we can change the conditions that these people are in you know which i think is the real source of their behavior you know that's not not their i don't think it i don't think it's their belief system honestly that is the source of this i mean you know these terrorist groups they're in it for power you know they're in it for they're in it for like you know they're in it because it gives them a purpose in their life you know like like these 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 kids these teenagers who get recruited to become suicide bombers it's it's the first time in their life they're they're seen as important that they're actually praised that they're honored that they're given a purpose and a mission and given a chance to to do something that is supposedly going to be good it's not i don't think it's it's not the beliefs that make this happen it's because these people are so desperate to feel something that feels good in their life that they're willing to go to these extremes and and participate in the only thing that's ever felt good to them so and and the people the terrorist groups the leaders of these groups you know they're not doing it because of their their beliefs they're you know they're doing it because participating in these beliefs is the thing that makes them feel feel good and powerful inside you know so it's it's not about the beliefs i don't think i don't think it's about the ideas i think it's about the the fact that so many people so so much struggle to feel good in their lives and the more we can can feel good in our lives the more we can bring more love and joy through us in our lives the more we can send out that ripple effect that that eventually and over time changes the circumstances for more and more people on this planet because we're we making choices that are more in alignment with the with the global uplifting of everybody you know instead of us trying to get our own shit you know at the expense of other people we're making choices that help all of us together i think that's what's going to make a difference i don't i don't think it's the ideas you know but i'm i'm talking off the cuff right now you know i don't i don't think about this topic too much this is just what's coming through in the moment that it's 
it's all comes back to where people feel good or where they don't feel good. And any belief system could end up someone making someone feel good or not, you know? And these people who are who feel miserable their whole lives, it's so easy for them to get swept up in something like this because they're so desperately craving feeling something good in their life. That's how, that's what I think is happening. I think that some people are like you say that they are desperate and that they that's what bring them to desperate actions because it it makes them feel important it gives their life some meaning and it makes makes them feel good but i think that many people among uh, jihadists are people like you and me you know with a decent uh, income uh you know family friends people around them who just got uh, very into this idea that if they give their life, uh, then they will go to paradise. And so they decide to leave careers as doctors or lawyers or, or entrepreneurs or whatever to pursue that. And um, I mean, that's for that's probably for a longer conversation, but I don't think that it's only, you know, desperate people people who come from a place of of suffering that goes into the the rank of the jihadist and the, the other thing i wanted to say because uh, actually i mixed two things so that my bad on that i talked about the jihadist uh and i talked about people who end their life like without uh you know like just without killing anyone else i mean and for for this this second class of people, this second this second category of people, it's like there you you told you talked about like okay this is a game there we cannot uh, we won't enjoy the end game like the victory the final victory if we don't have some lows uh, during the game parts which are more difficult and. Um, the thing that I wouldn't like people to, and the, the thing that I, I want to avoid people, uh, the thing that I want to avoid for people is that during one of those low, you just go, no, okay, that's that's too hard. This sucks. I'm going to end my life now so that I can get straight to the end, to, the, to this pure oneness that I will enter as I die. As of a person who's in that state and and in that sense, who is desperate, who is feeling bad, I think a person like that needs help, counseling, talking with people so that she go he or she goes out of the this low to some a new high and then another low and then another high and then continue her life and her interaction with the the rest of of the world and in the end reach you know death in a non-forced non-premature way that's that's what i was that's what i wanted to convey yeah yeah yep i, I understand that I understand that i mean suicide from a desperate place seems super super brutal you know and, and i think you do you know that that must be an incredibly painful and difficult thing to do you know and it's it's motivated by a desire to escape mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not. I don't think most people suicide themselves um, 
because they they're excited to get into the oneness. You know, maybe maybe a few people who are in one of those cults, you know, where they like they like drink the Kool Aid. You know, like the aliens are yeah. coming to ascend us. Let's all drink this like poison thing at the same time. Yay! You know, those guys are kind of seem to be excited about it. But I think most people who commit suicide are like you know, they're doing it to escape something because there's so much in pain. And that very, you know, painful act, which is kind of like against life. I mean, you're literally mm-hmm. ending your own life. I'm sure you would carry that in your energy field, you know, from into subsequent lifetimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It must be incredibly difficult. But I bet all of us, I mean, all of us on one of our lives has committed suicide. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I or, or something like that, you know? And I think uh, one of the spiritual teachers that I really like, his name is Bashar. You know, I was listening to him speak once and he said, you know, you have all used death many times to basically reset yourself, you know? And from his perspective, even a quote unquote more natural or quote unquote accidental death is still on some level a soul's energetic choice. You know, so is that a suicide? Is that not a suicide? You know, the only difference with suicide in the way our society defines it is that at a human level, you're making the conscious act to do it, you know? And so, look, I'm not trying to encourage it because, you you know, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to encourage it at all because it, it, most of, most suicide comes from a very, very super painful, not loving place. And if someone can, make it through that with all the support you're talking about. If someone can get through that without giving in to the, to the temptation of the triggers to take action, you know, on those triggers, if someone can make it through that really painful time without taking action on that pain, they will be an incredible healer on this planet. They will be someone who knows how to get through traumas and helps other people. I mean, they will be someone, someone who gets through that much pain and makes it to a place of peace is someone who is incredibly powerful here on earth to help others find peace themselves. So of course, that's what I would wish for people to get through those, to get through those experiences, you know, but again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and and I'm not going to say it's objectively bad. I'm not going to say that because you never know the larger game being played. You never know. Like, there's, because it's not just you that you affect when you commit suicide. You know, obviously, all the people around you that know you, that love you, are deeply affected. You know, what if that ends up causing some type of ripple in in the universe that ends up creating so much good for the world? You know, we can't know that that could happen or not. So I'm not going to sit here and and judge it unequivocally that it's bad. But I will say that, you know, most of the time it's if someone can get through it with all that, let's give people the support. Let's give people the help. Let's give people, let's just pour the love on anybody who is suffering because if they can get through that, they become such powerful healers and we are healing the planet and healing ourselves in the process, you know? And, but the only way we can do that is finding this joy and love inside ourselves, that's how we get to pour it out of us, you know? And part of that means releasing some of this judgment. Part of that means seeing life as this big loving game. And then we can pour love everywhere and help more people not have to commit suicide. 
Uh, you know, I'm really glad that um, we were both open enough to go into, into that direction. Like in the discussion, I, um, I didn't think at all we would go there. <laughs> True. I'm really glad we did. And uh, I think both sides are, I mean, it's not like we are, you know, one side against the other. So let me, let me rephrase, like both, um, what we said, both of us has some value in it. I, I, I think I agree with you about what you said of that. We cannot know what the ripple effect of any negative act really uh, will have. Um, so that's an interesting thought to 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 ponder. Um, and uh, I'm super glad that you know we have this conversation and that it was recorded because you and I had many great conversations. Uh, I don't think we've touched <laughs> these kind of topics ever before, so that's interesting that this happened that this happens while being recorded. Um, and. That is interesting. You know, like as soon as we record one of our conversations, it's all of a sudden like <laughs> or normally our conversations are su are super light and funny and we're joking around. And we we went like we went right through some deep stuff and ended up on suicide, you know, and suicide bombing. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I yeah. hope you don't get a whole lot of like hate mail on your podcast <laughs> now, too, because of like my opinions. You know, Arno does not endorse my opinions. It's okay. You can send hate hate mail to me if you want. But you know, hopefully this was this was useful oh, for people yeah. too. Hopefully there was some things to think about in here. I think your questions were amazing, you know, and brought out all these interesting things, you know, and and like, look, it's a variety of opinions that lets us figure out our own exactly. truth, right? So, so like, no one has to take my word for anything. Uh, just go test it in your own experience and inside yourself, and figure out if it's your own truth or not. But thank you so much for for listening, and I really appreciate it being here, Arno. I thought it was a great conversation. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I'm super happy that you that you accepted, and um, I'm I'm, re I'm thrilled by the conversation as well. Um, what's uh, what is the best way people can you know follow you on on get in touch with you or or you know follow your latest work? Oh yeah, cool. Thanks. I think uh, the best way is if you want to find like my my corporate work in the world, helping change uh, the way leadership and workplaces work. Um, you could just go to LinkedIn. That's honestly the best place to find that because I, I work with a, through a couple of uh, coaching and facilitation companies around the world to do projects um, in the U S and also in Europe. So just go to LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash David Papa. I think you can even can do linkedin.com slash David Papa. It might work. Um, if you want to read my blog about some of the weird esoteric stuff and emotional processing and things like that, you can go to davidpapa.live uh, or live, whatever, however you want to say it, davidpapa.live. And that's just my personal site right now. And there's not really much on there, but I'm slowly morphing that into something that might e express uh, more of my, you know, some of the crazier ideas that I believe because I, I you know, I think that helps, uh, you know, Bertrand Russell, I read a quote from him the other day that said, um, be, be eccentric, be totally eccentric because every idea that is now mainstream was once eccentric, you know? Yeah. So who knows? One of us, one of us crazy people is onto something that eventually <laughs> will, will be mainstream. So who knows who it is? So we got to put our crazy stuff out there. Yeah. 
And the, your website is also the place where people can find the podcast you told us about. Oh, uh, if they want to, if they want to check out No Effort Human and uh, follow along with the journey of reading the Tao Te Ching and understanding what that's all about. Uh, the yeah, you know, it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on Anchor. Dot .fm and a few other places too just search for no effort human with david papa or just no effort human in, in uh, any podcast place and you should you should find it i actually don't have that on my website really okay that's okay but it's an easy search yep i'll put everything in the show notes anyway but uh, it's good um do you have any like parting message you want to share with the listener <laughs> you, you don't have to maybe well, you, don't, you know but if there's something you want to a final thing that you want to say yeah i you know I, you said it a couple times we said it a couple times but i can't say it enough it don't believe anything i say okay <laughs> just just go go find your own truth inside yourself by keeping exploring inside yourself you have all the answers already inside of you go find them through any of the tools, tips, practices that Arno has in peaceful creativity that we've talked about, just use them, implement them, because don't sit here and tell me, no, that's not true. That's not true without ever trying and going digging and looking for yourself. So don't believe me, just go look for yourself and come up with your own crazy ideas because they're in there already. Amazing, David. Thank you uh, one more time. For your uh, for your great contributions to this podcast and to the world, and uh, <laughs> I hope we can make uh, a part two. Uh, you know, in a in a few months, once the podcast is number one on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even and even if it's not, we can make a part two. Uh, if you if you if you are for it. Well, I'm going to follow your work, Arno. I mean, you're putting some really cool stuff out there, and uh, I think it's going to be a big benefit to anybody who listens to you and follows you. So, I'm I'm in on this on uh, the stuff you're putting out there and this project of yours. So, I look forward to seeing how it flourishes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Okay, so have a nice evening, and I talk to you soon. You too, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. If you want more of the Peaceful Creativity Podcast, go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe. You will get the episodes before anybody else, the free easy tools for immediate inner peace ebook, the fun favorite and uncensored sound filter Sunday, and much more. You also get the satisfaction of supporting independent podcasting and help keeping the project alive. All of this for free. So go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and as always, peace.